Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Ride. Today we're sitting down to talk with Garrett Shanks, who's a young horse trainer who has competed in extreme Mustang makeovers as a youth, and he's continuing to do so as an adult. So we're excited to hear what he has to say about his experiences with that. Uh, Garrett, thank you for being here. Why don't you kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got started? Yes, thank you guys so much for having me. So as said, my name is Garrett Shanks. I live just outside of St. Louis, Missouri, and I've been training Mustangs since 2018. Um, I got started with the Mustangs in 2015 um, by attending an extreme Mustang makeover. I went and watched it and I got hooked immediately. And I followed the event for about three years, volunteering at events, and finally had the opportunity to compete myself. And I got my first Mustang in 2018 and I've been competing ever since. Wow, that's really cool. And it it seems like, you know, you got started so young. Is that something that were you one of the only youth competing or is that kind of common for the Mustang makeovers? So that's pretty common. The extreme Mustang makeover is split up into two kind of categories. You have youth and adult. And so the youth ranges from kids 8 to 18 years old and the adult is 18 and up so the average competition has you know 30 to 50 youth competing so there's a good network of us out there yeah I've actually talked with quite a few youth competitors in the Mustang realm and and it's really cool to hear how these kids get started and and you know there's 14 year olds out there taking untouched Mustangs and the things that you guys are able to do with them in the time frame that's given to you before these events, it's just completely cool to see these young kids able to connect with an animal that doesn't understand that, you know? And um, like, what, how did you decide, like, I'm going to do the Mustang thing? I mean, I'm sure your parents have got to be like, a kid coming up and being like, I'm going to train Mustangs. Like, I'm sure your parents are probably just like, what are you talking about? Yes, ma'am. So going into the room to ask my parents if I could do a Mustang was kind of crazy. My parents aren't horse people. Um, we live kind of in the city. So I, before the Mustangs, I did my weekly riding lesson and went to a horse rescue and volunteered once a week. And that was kind of the extent of my equine life. So to approach them and say, I want a wild horse and I want to train. It was crazy because at the time I didn't even own a horse. I had never owned a horse of my own or leased a horse. So my dad was pretty supportive. He's a big, you know, follow your dreams, your goals, do it. And my mom was like, oh, my baby boy is not touching one of those massive wild animals. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and so it, it took a little convincing with my mom, but after the first one, she she's become pretty hooked with it and is a big supporter of mine now. So I am not super familiar with the whole process of the Mustang makeover. Can you kind of explain how it works for probably some of our listeners who also aren't super familiar with it, just the whole process of it all? Sure. So once a year, the Extreme Mustang Makeover will kind of publish their dates for the year and you go to their website and you download the papers, fill it all out and send them in. And then you have to be approved. So you have to have a, an approved facility and then just make sure that, you know, you're going to take good care of the, the animal. And so after approval, you go to what's called pickup day where you're randomly assigned your horse. 
And then you have approximately 120 days to gentle and train this Mustang. And following that 120 days, you go to the event and you complete compete over a course of three days in in-hand classes for the youth. And then adults have one in-hand class and three under saddle classes, followed by the top 10 competing in a freestyle competition. So you mentioned that you don't come from a horse family and you hadn't even owned a horse before you got into this Mustang uh, training. How, what gravitated you towards doing the Mustangs? Like what, did you see a video online? Did you read about it? How did you get involved with the, the Mustangs to begin with? So I was babysitting with my mom and the kids knew I was, you know, the obsessed horse person. And they, they found the movie Wild Horse Wild Ride over um, Netflix. And so they went to bed. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And that movie kind of explains that training process over the 120 days followed by the event. Um, and I, I watched it and I was hooked and I was like, okay, we're going to find this competition. Cause I'm, I'm all about competition. I'm super competitive and, um, very goal orientated and want to just kind of better myself. And so I was like, that's the ideal thing. Um, cause it's 120 days of intense work to constantly be better and do better. And so, um, I didn't find any information on it. I didn't really know how to use the internet at the time. I was still a kid. And finally I found a billboard about it with them actually coming to the St. Louis area. And so, um, a horse rescue I was volunteering with at the time knew the, the directors of the event. And so they invited me out. And so I went for just a day and volunteered, you know, setting up freestyle props for people and stuff in the arena. And um, I just kind of got hooked after that. So you're a kid who barely knows how to work the internet, finds a billboard and somehow managed to piece all of this together and end up getting a Mustang. That is a wild story. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And it's, Cause like I said, I'm in the city. So like I had to find a boarding facility that was going to let me do it. So that was a whole nother thing. Cause everybody was like, you're insane. You don't know what you're doing. Like that's not going to end well. Um, and so it was a really, it was a fun time to kind of overcome those challenges and just keep working at it. Yeah. No, the, the people that I've met that done these Mustang challenges in the past, most of them come from a family that owns a property, has a facility, you know, they're able to bring them to their home. Can you kind of talk about what the process was like finding a boarding barn and kind of explaining like, hey, I'm taking this this untouched Mustang and I'm I'm going to train it and compete with it in 120 days. I'm sure it did take a special facility to see your vision and respect what you're doing and, and you know, working with such an unfamiliar animal you know that's never been around people i would imagine that was a challenge sure so on top of all that you have a 15 year old kid walking in with this crazy idea <laughs> so that you know that took it to a whole nother level because then they're like can i talk to an adult please <laughs> um so the facility that i was at at the time obviously was like heck no we are not doing this they they pulled me out of work um because I was like cleaning stalls for them and they brought me into the office and sat down and talked to me for a good hour 
and just was like, you are not doing this. You're not doing it here. You're not doing it anywhere. You are not ready. It's not safe. Like that's not, don't even mention that to me ever again. And I was like, oh yes, ma'am. And I walked out of the office and I shut the door and I'm like, bet you're going to watch me do this now. <laughs> and so I was at the Extreme Mustang Makeover in Lexington, Kentucky in 2017. And I was so thankful to find a sponsor who um, not only invited me out to their facility to use, but also to help teach me how to work with the wild Mustang. Um, and so I, I did that for about six months in preparation for the pickup day and then continued with them for a majority of the competition until then um, moving on to a, a friend's facility. Following that event, um, that was an hour's drive from me every day um, after school to go work this horse. So I was like, I cannot continue driving an hour away. <laughs> so I went back to that original boarding facility and they were like, okay, you can bring in the now quote unquote, domesticated Mustang into the facility. And so we did that, all went well. And they seen how how committed, I guess I was. And they're like, do you want to do another Mustang? Like, let's talk about this. And that was kind of maybe a bad decision on their part because it hasn't ended since. <laughs> so um, they were they were super, super helpful and helped me set up kind of what the requirements were on their facility. I was going to say, it sounds like, you know, even though so many people were not necessarily supportive in the beginning, obviously you showed them that you could do it and it worked out because you've been doing it for the past few years. So when you first started, you know, what, what was your initial like reaction? You know, how did you, when you first got the Mustang, what were you thinking? So, <clears throat> Going into pickup, I was extremely excited because, like I said, I had been following this event for three years now, and I just was kind of getting my first horse, but I wasn't supposed to keep the horse either. Like I was supposed to compete and then find it a new home, which didn't go as planned. I still have that horse. <laughs> I was super duper, super excited to get the horse. And I can still remember to this day, I was picking up with a friend of mine and they ran our horses down the alleyway into the trailer. And I turned to my dad and like, oh my goodness, dad, I got the horse I wanted. And then I looked at the paperwork and my friend got the horse I wanted. And I, who am now six foot two, got the shortest horse in the batch. She was plain Jane, dark seal bay, skinny, just kind of, just nothing, you know? And I'm thinking, I'm going in this competition. I want to be competitive. I want to look good. And I got this scrawny little thing. And we drove off and some of the bigger name competitors that you get to know were like, oh my goodness, who got this horse? And I'm like, oh, I did. And they're like, don't touch its mane or tail. And I'm like, oh, okay. And now, let's see, four years later, she has blossomed into this beautiful horse. She confirmationally is amazing. She has filled out real nice. That mane and tail is super long, super thick. Um, and we have traveled this past year to 18 different states showing and competing and performing. And she knocks every show out of the park, like just constantly winning the class or 
you know, placing very high. And so that mare has turned into my absolute dream horse. It's funny how those those things happen. And at the time, we don't realize it, you know, but that everything happens for a reason. And, and it sounds like you truly were meant to get this little mare. And I know tons of people that would kill to have that kind of mane and tail. So thank goodness you took that advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. I totally agree. I, I, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. You know, I, I constantly pray for direction and strength and guidance. And I, I believe that it happens for a reason. So obviously this mare is very special to you. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about her and, and you know the process obviously she was your first mustang correct yeah yes, so so obviously a very special journey for you can you talk a little bit more about her and what her personality was like and just how like when did you realize like oh this is a cool horse like i did get a cool horse like when did all of that kind of like connect for you so that mayor I have since named her She's a Dancing Dream, or we just call her Shiza as her barn name. Um, so she, my eyes really opened up to her probably when I got the message saying not to touch her mane and tail because I realized other people wanted her. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe she is kind of cool. Um, and then I took her home. Training was interesting because I was a nervous wreck and she was kind of like, but what are we being nervous at? Like, can we just do something? And so she came around pretty quickly. Um, we had the neck tag off on day one and a halter on like day two, because I didn't have a halter put on her at the time. And so probably, George, I don't know, 30 days after pickup, I started to think, I kind of like this mare, you know, like, you can't give a 15 year old kid this horse for the first time. And I expect him to let it go. <laughs> so I really probably 30 days in is when I really started to notice. And then probably at the 90 day mark, I was like, okay, mom, dad, like, can we keep this? And obviously at the time my mom was like, no, Garrett, we, we are not keeping this. And my dad was like, no, we're supposed to let it go. You know, be a man of your word. And I was like, please. <laughs> and Long story short, I convinced them to let me keep her. So I've kept her since. <laughs> um, personality wise, she is the sassiest little mare you'll ever meet. She is not the typical moody mare, but she's sassy. She's kind of got like little horse syndrome. Like she's super small. She's like 13 one, but she thinks she's something tough and that nobody's going to mess with her until you look at her the wrong way. And then she's all apologetic and she's super in your pocket. Like you can't clean her stall without her legitimately next to you, touching you. Um, and so she's just a big puppy dog and she'll do anything for you. She's the type of horse that I could hop on and go do a dressage test on one day and hop on and go one handed in a ranch class the next day. Um, and I've had everybody on her from adults to kids. Um, I recently introduced her to my um, beginner writing student program and the kids love her and she just hacks them around that arena like nothing and they can take her out on trails and I fully trust her to just do her job. That's awesome that you were able to find such a special horse in your first go around. I feel like that's probably 
not necessarily something that happens for everyone. Um, so you've been competing now. Now you're competing as an adult, correct? In the adult category? Yes, ma'am. So I just did my first adult tip challenge um, this past September. And then I'm working the logistics and plans out of doing my first adult extreme Mustang makeover. Uh, for the people who aren't necessarily familiar with the Mustang Heritage Foundation and, and the Mustang events, can you kind of talk about what a tip is um, and how is it different from the Mustang makeover? Sure. So the, the tip challenges are put on by certified tip trainers um, through the Mustang Heritage Foundation. So those events are similar to the Extreme Mustang makeover in the way that you still have a 120-day training program and then the three days to compete however the tip challenges at the moment are all in hand for both youth and adult competitors and then the extreme mustang makeovers as mentioned before the youth are in hand the adults are expected to ride so with the the tip stuff are you you're so you're not showing your your little mare that you've had for four years and those things correct you're just you're are you just competing at regular horse shows now Sure. So with the tip pro or the the tip challenges, those are with new horses. Each tip challenge, you get a new wild one to do the 120 day program with. Um, as far as my mare and I, the tip challenges do have like a subcategory of open classes for registered Mustangs. And so we do go to some tip challenges and do their open along with open shows outside of the Mustang industry. Have you noticed when you go to like the the open shows that aren't necessarily Mustang um, events, do you, are you finding that people are really curious about the fact that you're showing a Mustang? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably showing against a lot of quarter horses and paints and, and your typical stock horse breeds and, but you know, to come in with a Mustang and I'm guessing that she probably has the tattoo on her neck and, and, you know, it's, it's just such a cool thing to be able to say like, yeah, I, I literally trained this horse from the start. And, um, are you finding that you're able to kind of represent the Mustangs in those open shows to some of the people that aren't so familiar with them? Yes, ma'am. So going to the, the open shows, you have two categories of people. You have the people that are absolutely fascinated in what you do and they want to know more. And they're like, oh, my goodness, like, that's amazing. I can't believe you did that. You did such a good job. Well done. And then you have the other people that are like, oh, he's just some backyard kid. You know, he's not competition. You know, let's focus on the real competitors here. And so then I kind of get that opportunity to walk in that show pen and show off what I've done. And the people that have originally were fascinated, they come grouping like, oh my goodness, like that was even better than I thought. Like, great job. Do you take clients? Like, that's amazing. I can't believe you took a wild horse and doing that. And then normally our shows go pretty darn good. So those original people that didn't think we were competition come up and go, okay, nice job. That, that was good. And then that's when their interest is sparked. Um, and better yet, you, you mentioned about the whole quarter horse, paint horse, all that. Um, I'm entering into the quarter horse, paint and pinto horse industry at the moment. So I'm hoping to attend more of those shows. But the open shows, we do have quite a few stock horse. And I remember one show two summers ago, I took my Mustang, she's a two. And we were in um, a showmanship class 
and then we did a halter class and we had approximately 13 registered stock in there court quarter horse and pinto and paint and we took first place and the stock people they were like oh my goodness like that's insane like that's a mustang but it just goes to prove like the versatility of the mustang and just how you know those are classes based more upon the confirmation of the horse and so there are those diamonds in the ruts out there that you know i'm just incredibly blessed to have been able to not even get to choose but be assigned um such a lovely mare that's so funny that like you were saying going and competing against them because i can imagine i come from and so does nicole a quarter horse and i show paint horses and i can only imagine coming in with a Mustang and, and then doing incredibly well. Um, so you said, you know, you've had people ask if you take clients, is that something that you're interested in or that you do? Like, do you want to kind of take this further than just the Mustang makeover? Yes, ma'am. My, my goal and dream in life has always been to train full time. Um, and that was kind of erased just for a short term when I was a kid, cause you just see the trainers get bucked off and get hurt. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be a trainer with that. And then I started doing the Mustangs and I have been so incredibly blessed to dive deeper into this. And I can now say that I'm fixing to start working with a um, quarter horse paint horse trainer in the pleasure world. So I'm definitely still learning and developing my skills, especially through that situation but i would and am taking in clients currently for the mustangs do you notice when you're obviously you have you said you're working with somebody in the paints and the quarter horse stuff you're getting a familiar in the pleasure industry um do you find that mustangs are different to train than say the quarter horses and the paints are you do you kind of adjust your training to to kind of fit the Mustangs versus something like a quarter horse that's probably been around humans their entire life? That's actually a great question because at my new job, I've caught myself doing things different. Like just the simple things like um, turning a horse around in an alleyway. If there's anything in there, like with the Mustangs, you don't want to shelter them, but you do you don't want to create an explosion that's unneeded. And so these quarter horses, like I just whip around and get going with work. And then I'm like, oh, like if that would have like smacked my Mustang in the butt, that could have been a little bit of an issue. Um, in the beginning stages, you know, the first weeks or months older ungentled line, um, following that, like the Mustangs are super simple. So in comparison, like the Mustangs a quarter horse and the gentling phase is much different. Following the gentling stage, like my Mustangs, they can go in there just like the quarter horse and I don't have to worry about anything like that. So I wouldn't really say you have to change your training styles because they're Mustangs, but I definitely do see a difference between them. And I've always thought this was very like in the movies, like, oh, it's a free spirit. You connect with it different. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's such a movie, like go Hollywood. But now that I'm in both worlds, it, it's a daily struggle that I'm like, I feel like I just can't make this connection with this quarter horse or this paint. And like, I like them, I love them, but I, I can't get this like 
higher connection with them like I am with my with my Mustangs. So that's a slight difference, but I wouldn't say like you have to go at like training a Mustang different, if that makes sense. So you obviously connected with your mare that you kept. Um, what about your other with your other ones? Have you um, ended up keeping any of those on accident or? <laughs> <laughs> so I have not kept any other Mustang so far. Um, they've all been reassigned to other um, families. Um, you know, they say the more you do, the easier it gets to let go. Um, I find that to be a complete lie. It gets harder for me every single time because every single time I do the Mustang, I feel like I've taken my skill set from the previous Mustang applied that to the new one and the new ones taught me. So back to that ideal um, that, you know, everything works out for a reason. I truly believe like each Mustang that I've gotten has set me up and prepared me for the next one. So like my first Mustang, she's a, in the beginning, she did not want to get on the trailer. So I worked and worked and worked on that. But my next one was on the trailer the first time I asked her. But the second one wouldn't side pass. So the next one would side pass, but would have a new issue, if that makes sense. So they just kind of aligned up where each Mustang prepared me for the next one. So it's been amazing how how it's just kind of worked out together. You talk a lot about the the horses that kind of helped you become the trainer and the rider that you are today. Uh, are there any horse trainers or anybody that you've kind of looked up to as a mentor that have kind of helped guided you in your training process? Through the Mustang industry, there are tons of phenomenal trainers that are ready to help you in an instant, no matter where you're at. The Mustang definitely or the mustang community is definitely a family so and i'm realizing that through the quarter horse and the paint you know that it's it's kind of that family environment but the mustang family is a whole nother level so there's tons of you know facebook pages you can get on and if you just say hey i'm having an issue with this within 10 minutes you're probably going to have 50 private messages saying hey let me help you with this let me help you with that do you want to come work with me can you do a a video call so um there are tons of good trainers. I know I've had the honor of going and working with like Colton Woods in Kentucky and um, Jacqueline and Sid Zacharias um, in Oklahoma and Shelby Winstead in Indiana um, and the the, the Zimmermans, uh, Matt and Stacey Zimmerman. There, so there's just tons that I've really been able to look up to and um, see how they've grown into the trainers that they are and what how the Mustangs have kind of helped them become who they are. And I've been able to just kind of communicate with them and say, Hey, you know, I'm really a nobody. I'm this at the time I was, you know, 15 year old kid who didn't have a horse. How can I become as amazing as you are? And so they've been super helpful in that, whether it's been um, the marketing side, you know, via Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, or um, down to the daily care of the horse or how to, communicate with clients or uh, most of all, just the horsemanship skill and how to better yourself with each horse. Now you've talked a little bit about um, you always get a new horse during the tips and during the Mustang makeover. Um, 
Can you explain to our listeners who aren't so familiar with the process, what happens to these horses after you have competed and you mentioned that you don't get to keep them? Um, I Can you talk a little bit about how they, you know, kind of transition into their next life after you guys are done in these competitions? So as a youth competitor in both the Extreme Mustang Makeovers and the Tip Challenges, you do adopt your Mustang prior to the event. So it is yours to keep. Um, Unfortunately, you know, I'm not in that position where I can keep all all the horses on my property. So I have had to um, reassign them through the BLM um, into new homes and then as an adult competitor in the tip challenges you do adopt prior so you keep but in the extreme mustang makeover they go into an auction following the competition so as previously said you have those three days to compete with your classes on the final day on saturday there's an auction for all adult horses to go to new homes I I think it's also really important to say that all of these horses go to great homes. It's not like a backyard auction. This is a, this is a very well put together event. And, and the people who are buying these horses are, you know, they're going to great homes. And I've actually heard of some of the, the adult competitors actually buying their own horses in the auction because they connected with them so much. Uh, So are you, are you, looking forward to your journey into the uh, adult training atmosphere. I know we've talked a little bit about the differences between the youth events and then the adult ones. How are you going to adjust your training mindset and your philosophy to fit in the riding portion of the events? Because that's going to be a new portion for you to compete in. So to back up really quick to the, the idea about the auction, the auction is not anybody can just show up and bid on a horse. There's a whole adoption process that goes through Mustang Heritage Foundation and the Borough of Land Management. Um, And you have to meet a certain criteria and there's a background check ran on each person to guarantee that those horses go on to successful careers and successful homes. So not any backyard person can just buy a horse and take it home. Um, So to go on with your question about how am I going to be prepared for my first adult. That's a really, that's a fun question. So, you know, as a youth, I was thankful to have those six months to kind of work with a few yearlings and um, get prepared for my first adult makeover. So this past year, I've spent a ton of time um, bettering my skills under saddle and getting horses developed out under saddle in preparation for the Extreme Mustang makeover. So I have worked with three Mustangs this year that I've started completely from the ground up on my own in preparation. Um, And each of those, I've had different goals in mind. So the first one was just to see how I could do. Um, It was a a horse that I started a couple years back on the ground and I got back and then I started her under saddle and I gave myself the 120 days, about four months, to see how far I could get with this horse without needing that groundwork time. The second horse was my tip challenge horse, my first adult tip challenge. Um, And that one was to see how I could fit in that 120 days, the groundwork and the under saddle and how they combined. And then following that event, I kept 
my mare and put another four months on her. And now she is looking for her forever home. And then most recently in September, I got a Mustang through um, an adoption event. And that goal was just to see how fast I could put my skill set into this horse. Um, and I picked up a lovely gelding. He is a Pinto that I'm actually working on getting registered with Pinto Association to hopefully show. So my goal with him once again was just to see how I could put my skill set into him, how fast I could and how um, how we could develop out and how fast we could for the preparation of that 120 days. And so he's been incredible to work with. I was actually riding him on day three out of the wild was his first ride and then his second ride was day 15 and it consisted of riding straight up a mountain across the ridge and down the other mountain um and back to camp in tennessee and since then we have you know learned a ton about how to apply the groundwork um and how not to apply the groundwork because with the youth you know we have our horses walk trot cantering and hand side passing pivoting backing up tons of fun tricks so when you get on their back it's pretty darn easy you get on you touch a button and the horse does it um whereas i'm learning obviously with this new guy getting on him on day three i didn't have all the buttons laid in place so that was kind of cool to see how i could still build a trust to get on him but not have the buttons and so now i can relay the buttons on the ground under saddle all in one session versus over a few months period. That's so exciting that, you know, you've just, it seems, it's crazy that you went from being a 15 year old that, you know, really just wanted a month to start this Mustang process. And now you're, you know, working and training and that's, that's such a awesome experience. And I, I'm, it's just, I think it's really some says something about, you, you know, your work ethic. I certainly, know for a fact that I would not be brave enough to get on a Mustang three days out of the wild. Like, I just, <laughs> I just know I wouldn't, it would not, <laughs> that's not for me. <laughs> but um, I think it's going to be such a great experience for you to kind of use the knowledge that you learned from, from all of your working with Mustangs and bringing it over to the stock horses. So, um, well, thank you so much for coming on with us today. I learned so much. I mean, I, I really, didn't know a whole lot about the whole Mustang makeover. So I'm really, really excited to watch you and see how you continue to, you know, kind of grow. But do you have anywhere where our listeners can find you? I know you mentioned you had a TikTok and um, can you drop some of your names? Yes, ma'am. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, or TikTok, all at Garrett's Equine Path. Tic-tac. That's what I say. I'm old, though. You're too young to be saying tic-tac. Uh, that's awesome. I'm excited to see that. Uh, for any of our listeners who uh, you might have inspired to uh, to get involved in the Mustang Heritage Foundation and, and adopting and maybe even participating in some of these events, do you have any advice for anybody who is curious about the process? totally just do it so like i said like the mustang community is so welcoming it's a big family so you all you have to do is legit get on facebook type in mustang join whatever mustang group pops up 
and just make a post saying, hey, I'm interested in either doing an extreme Mustang makeover, a tip challenge, or getting a Mustang, um, whether it's wild or just tip trained or started under saddle, and you're going to have somebody get in contact with you. Put in where you're at, and they'll help you. Um, I am always open to messages as well. You can always private message me, and I can help you to find somebody in your area. Um, but I say just do it. It's so rewarding and it's so like there's no reason to even question it. It it really is such a fun community and it brings so many people together. I know um, I have friends across the country now and I'm talking not friends that we go to the show and we hang out for the weekend. I'm talking friends that we talk on the daily phone calls, text message, Snapchat, whatever we talk on the daily. Um, I've actually had the privilege of living with two of my best friends that I've made through the extreme Mustang makeover this year. Um, I've traveled and lived with them in two different States. So just do it. You'll make friends. Um, it helps you grow as a person. It'll help you. Um, you know, if you're a trainer, that's, you know, I don't want to say struggling, but need something some new inspiration or to help you grow it'll help the mustang heritage foundation is so good about connecting people and advancing people's careers um through their social media platforms it's it's remarkable to go you know i was 15 when i started this and i created my facebook account and i had like you know 20 people and two of those people were my parents and now um four years later i'm 19 and i have like 1500 Facebook followers. So it's still not a ton, but it's growing rapidly. And I, I get new friends and followers all the time. That's awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on and, and talking with us about the Mustangs and, and your journey. It sounds like you have a very bright future ahead of you. And we're excited to see you grow into your next chapter with the adult Mustang stuff. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me and spending the time with me. And I'm excited to, to continue in this career and see, you know, what this next year brings for us. Thank you guys for tuning into the ride podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, follow horse and rider magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horse and rider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.